there are a couple of goals. We've got a couple of text messages. Okay, so this one says, uh, I totally agree with your statements on Israel and the U.S. evangelicals. The whole U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East and Israel is based on wrong theology, you mentioned. Uh, Iran's policy in many other Middle Eastern countries is, is the total destruction of the state of Israel. If that did happen, the last day events, according to the evangelicals, could not happen, especially the belief that the 144,000 who will finish the work before the return of Jesus will be converted Jews. America will never allow Israel to be destroyed. And I think this is a very true statement right here because any U.S. president who allowed Israel to be destroyed would be immediately voted out of office, if not assassinated. And uh, those connections are unbelievably strong. We don't realize how strong those connections are when we don't live in the United States. They're incredibly strong connections. 144,000, of course, wanted to clarify that's 12,000 Jews from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, which is interesting because, you know, I do find evangelicals who do get, you know, very excited about the 144,000 who they see as being literal Jews from the literal tribes of Israel. But if you actually read the list of the 144,000, the list of tribes there is not the literal tribes of Israel. Hmm. Ever heard of the tribe of Joseph? No. No, you haven't ever heard of the tribe of Joseph. Uh, and we've all heard of the tribe of Levi, but the tribe of Levi never had territory. Right. And so it was not counted as one of the 12. You know, if you look at the tribes of Israel, there's actually 13, even though we call them 12 because the tribe of Levi only had cities. You have both of those tribes in Revelation chapter 7 where it talks about the 144,000 and neither of them are a part of the 12 tribes. Wow, that's very interesting. So that to me is very, very solid uh, information there that says to me, you cannot take this literally. No. It's impossible to take this literally. If you are going to take this literally, you're going to have to rewrite the entire Old Testament. That would take a lot of time. Yeah, and I think you might get a little bit of opposition in the process. (laughs) All right. Um, When we learn something new and don't relate the light to those who you teach, say, in a sermon or a Sabbath school or a Sunday school or wherever wherever it is, it is called pride. Although, as you said, it's very humiliating. Yeah, I've been there and done that. It's also a great example to others to do the same. None of us know it all. We'll be learning through eternity for those of us who will be faithful till the end. Mm. Oh, good comment. Good comment said. right there. Well done. So if you'd like to share your thoughts, our number is 1-800-324-843 or text us on... 0491 Sorry, I just stole that from you. You did. <laughs> See, Kate's been here a week and look what's happening. <laughs> you know, she's just taking over. <laughs> Next minute, Lyle's going to be without a job. Oh, Kate's no. going to be sitting here in the, in the in the radio host's chair and it's all going to be over. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> See, this is, this is what happens. You go away and just have, everybody has a party while I'm gone. What are we going to do? All right. Um, but coming back to this um, issue of Israel and the United States and the evangelical connection between those two, I would love to hear your thoughts. And so if you're a supporter of Israel or if you are a supporter of Palestine, I'd like to hear what you've got to say. 
We would love, we have an open line number here, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. And I would particularly like to hear from you if you have a solution that will bring peace to the Middle East. See, that's the, that's the, that's the big question of our world, isn't it? It is. How do we do that? All right. Our Bible study today is a fantastic passage and I'm super, Disappointed because um, I wasn't here. Oh, oh, look at this. Look at this coming through on the text message Ooh, right now. Text. Great song, Kate. Oh, yeah. Well done. Oh, thank you, whoever that was. Yeah. And it was a great song. Um, so for those of you who missed the first half of the show, uh, at the beginning of the week when Kate first joined us, we kind of knew that she was a singer-songwriter, and so we're like, Kate, uh, we're doing this great passage from Isaiah 55. Uh, your challenge for the week is to turn this into a song. And she did, <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> and we can't wait to hear the um, hear the album when it comes out. Yes. All right. We were going to read this passage. Yes, we've got time to read this passage. Oh. We're in Isaiah 58. I'm super jealous because yesterday you guys got to do the first half and I did a whole sermon oh. on Isaiah 58 once and I told everybody the week before I'm going to preach on Isaiah 58 and they're like, yes, we're going to have a sermon on Isaiah 58 uh, verse 13 and 14 and I did a whole sermon on everything but verse 13 oh. and 14 Oh, this just is to not surprise them. Oh, oh okay. Yes. <laughs> And I missed this. So now we do 13 and 14 today. Let's yes. read them. Okay. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you. You're listening to Faith FM. Different radio. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Okay, so this is a great passage right here. And of course, uh, Faith FM Radio is owned by the Seventh day Adventist Church. And the Seventh day Adventist Church worships on the Sabbath day. And so it's kind of one of those passages that is special to us. And it's, you know, got some great um, stuff there that I think should be special to just everybody. We're going to spend some time going through it, but you can kind of see why everybody expected me to preach on the last verses rather than the first verses of this chapter. Yeah. But all of these passages are really, really important. And the last verses are irrelevant if you don't have the first one sorted out. Right. Because the first verses, the, the, the first half of this chapter is all about practical Christianity and actually living a practical Christian life. Yes. And if you're not living Christianity, then what use is, well, keeping the Sabbath or doing any of these kinds of things that we love to do as Christians? What's the use of going to church? Mm. What's the use of, you know, singing songs and reading the Bible and all of these kind of things if it does not change your life? Yes. And so that's why I love the, uh, the, the first, you know, uh, Part of you know chapter fifty eight. Oh, there's so many good things here. <laughs> I'm sorry you missed it. I'm just going to read one. Okay. Just because. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Okay. Just, just, just think about this for a moment. Imagine preaching this in church today 
without being able to blame Isaiah for it. <laughs> yes. You know, because I can preach this. I can stand up and say, this is what Isaiah said. But if you're Isaiah and you're going to cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their sins, you don't get to blame anybody else. Mm. It's all on you. And God. And God. Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and, and on God. And, of course, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that is working through you. And so I admire the courage of these prophets of old. We can hide behind them. Right. And we, and we can go to people and and uh, and we can say, you know, Isaiah said this. With confidence. With absolute confidence. It's the word of God. But uh, he, Isaiah didn't have the opportunity to do that. It was just like, well, God mm. says, you're a sinner. Get your act together. Mm. And then, of course, he goes on down through. And all of those, all of the introduction there to this final part where it comes to the issue of the Sabbath, it's all about practical Christianity. It is. And the Sabbath is irrelevant if we can't love each other and support each other and provide for each other. Now let's go through these verses. Let's have a look at them uh, very quickly here. Uh, Where were we? Verse 13. Uh, We did 13 and 14. All right, let me read it from the KJV just because the KJV is awesome. Uh, It says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath. Now that's interesting. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, I'm going to stop there before I go any further, because without understanding Middle Eastern culture, it's impossible to understand what it is that's going on here. If you go to the Middle East, uh, and you know quite a few parts of the world, but particularly in the Middle East, you will often see the archaeological remains of great stone reliefs. Now, stone relief is kind of like an ancient billboard. Oh, okay. So rather than painting, you know, a picture and putting it on a billboard, you would find a cliff face, smooth it off, or you'd find a rock, smooth it off, and carve a picture into that rock. Hence, we get to see them today. You know, two, three, four thousand years later, they are still there. We can still go and check it all out for ourselves. And so you get these massive stone reliefs, and typically what is depicted on them is a king who is gaining victory over his enemies. And the way that it's often depicted is with the victorious king with a foot on top of his enemy who is laying on the ground. Okay. Okay? He's got his foot on top of his enemy. And so when the Bible says, if you take away your foot from off the Sabbath. You take your foot off the Sabbath. What does it say in your translation? Uh, verse uh, 13. 13. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Am I in the so right 58? place? 58. No, you're not oh, in the right place. 58. Oh, 13. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. I didn't the, read anything about a no, foot. No, your, your translation is <laughs> like dodgy and empty over there. Uh, the best part of this is all about the foot and they've taken the foot out of it. Oh, How could they do that? Rude. All right, this is one of the advantages that you do get with a word-for-word rather than a thought-for-thought translation as well. And you actually get some of these cultural references that, okay, you don't get them until you do a bit of research or somebody explains it. But when they do, Mm, it's it's like, wow. Yep. And so what you've got here is a picture, a picture of a people who have conquered and crushed the Sabbath. Conquered and crushed. And they have their foot on it. 
And God's like, take your foot away from it and it's going to be a blessing for you. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that just got much clearer. Okay. And, and, and you, NLT just missed all of that. So I'm just dying with frustration right now. But anyway, okay. So, so what's this? How have they conquered and crushed the Sabbath? They've conquered and crushed it by adding a billion rules to it. Yep. By oppressing the Sabbath. By making up all kinds of rules that, you know, just sort of came out of the top of their head. Not necessary. Not from God. Not from God. Not in the Bible. Not what God said. They have uh, conquered and crushed it by following all of those rules while not living practical godliness. Yeah. Forgetting the whole intention, the meaning behind the Sabbath. Uh Uh-huh. Now, here's what's interesting. That whole concept that I talked about, you know, that you might see on a stone relief from the past, of placing your foot on top of your enemy after he has been conquered and crushed, is a culture that has passed down to us today in the same part of the world. The foot in that part of the world, amongst many cultures in that part of the world, is the most insulting part of the human body. So, for instance, when you go into somebody's home, you don't sit there like we do as Aussies, you know, relax back in the couch and show the bottom of your foot. Oh. Because that's the equivalent of giving, you know, the finger. Oh, I, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, the foot is like super insulting. You just don't do that kind of thing like ever. Okay. You never show anyone the bottom of your foot. Um, there's a whole bunch of different, you know, cultural things that, you know, you've got to be super aware of when it comes to the feet. Now, here's the thing. Think about this. At the Last Supper, what did Jesus do? Washed everybody's feet. He washed feet. Now, this was interesting because this was the job of the lowest form of vegetable matter that lived in the the home. (laughs) Or servant. The servant. And so there was always a scale in the home as to who was at the top and who was at the bottom. And it was always the person who was at the bottom. The bottom of the slave hierarchy who would touch people's feet because the foot was so insulting. And so that adds just a whole new light to the, uh, an understanding to the communion service where you've got the foot washing service as to what Jesus was doing because Jesus is the ruler and creator of the entire universe. Yet he's humble enough to, to stoop down. I'll go right to the bottom. Yep. I'll go right to the bottom to save you guys. I'll go right to the bottom to make you clean. I'll go right to, right to the bottom, as far down as I can go. I will go to the bottom to lift you up. And when Jesus went to the bottom, you know, the first shall be last, the last shall be first, mm-hmm. that's when we see a true ruler and a true king, mm-hmm. and we see his two true greatness there. Yes, yeah. It's the opposite of everything you see in the world, you know, around, about, or the world at that time, or at the world at this time. Yeah. We don't find true greatness with a race to the bottom. Uh, it's so upside down, isn't it? It is upside down. But right way up. All right. So, verse 13, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day. Okay, so this is interesting because... You know, I, I, we often read this passage within the context of like, oh, well, that's people who just want to goof off and have fun on Sabbath and not worship God. Yes, that's true. But in this context, 
It was people who wanted to do their pleasure because it was their rules. It's like right. we've made up all of these rules and this is how we're going to keep the Sabbath. And God's saying like, no, take your foot off of it. Let it be the blessing it's meant to be. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. I had someone once describe it to me like a park. You know, you imagine you're a busy city. Uh, have you ever lived in a big city, Kate? I lived in Melbourne, but not in the heart of the city. Uh, But you live in the heart of the city and it's just horrid all the time and it's Mm. just like busy and noisy and polluted and hurrying people everywhere. Everyone, you know, just winds you up and creates all that stress and everything. And And people aren't friendly in the city. Yeah, all that. And I used to work in the city, um, like Sydney, downtown Sydney was, we had a church there. And I used to go to the beach for my lunch. And look out to the ocean, and it was just like, ah, I can breathe. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I can be a human again. Mm. And it's and the other thing you could do was to go to some of those beautiful parks, just beautiful parks in Sydney. You go and sit in the park and have your lunch, and it was like someone described to me the Sabbath as being like a park mm. in Oasis. time, oh. in time. Beautiful. You know, it's just like that. Ah, in time. You know, a day set aside where the Bible says, you know, don't go and do your own work. Don't go and do your own things. Just have a day of worship. Mm. Just take it off. Take a day off. You know, the whole idea of the weekend originated with God. God knew that human beings needed it. Yes. We needed it for our time of rest. We need it for a time of recuperation. We need it for a time of social connectedness. We need it for all those things. Definitely do. All right. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's wait for the next one. <laughs> next one. Isaiah 58. And we're going to read this from the King James Version. Right. It says, If you will turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. There's a really important principle right here because we often read this passage and say, well, you know, the Sabbath day comes and we don't do our own works. In other words, I don't go to work on the Sabbath day. Um, We don't say our own things, so I don't speak about all my things on the Sabbath day. This is a time for us to talk about God and to worship God and to talk about the things of God and to study the Bible and to talk about what the Bible says and that kind of thing. Um, We don't do our own pleasure, so... You know, I don't go and play football on the Sabbath day and stuff like that. This is this is my time with God. I don't want to be distracted from my time with God on the Sabbath day, which is all good and true. In the context of the passage, it's talking about all of the ridiculous rules that they had added to the Sabbath. Mm. You know, when it says uh, here, uh, not doing your own ways, God's saying not doing all of your own rules that you've added to the Sabbath. And I think the Sabbath has like some 600-odd rules Mm. attached to it within Orthodox Judaism. And I don't mean to pick on Orthodox Judaism, but when you look at some of the rules, it's quite oppressive, particularly when you go to uh, Israel and, you know, one of the Jewish people that I was talking to there had kind of given up on his own religion because he's like, it's just impossible. There's rules for everything, and you have to be aware of them from the moment that you'll wake up in the morning to the moment that you die. And he just reached the point where he'd thrown up his hands like it's impossible. Too hard. Give up. But, you know, you don't want to make the mistake of getting into the, um, when you're in the hotel, 
You want to make sure when you catch the lift up to your room, particularly if you're on like the 14th floor, yeah. you catch the Gentile lift. Oh, the Gentile lift. Because if you catch the Jewish lift, it's going to stop at every floor and there's no buttons to push. Right. Because there's a law against pushing buttons. Okay. Um, if you, you know, there's a law against opening your fridge because there's a light in there and when you open the fridge, you're pushing a button to switch the light on. But if you take the light bulb out on Friday before the Sabbath begins, then you're allowed to open the fridge. But if you forget to take the light bulb out and leave the fridge open, then you leave the fridge open all the way through Sabbath because you don't want to add sin to sin by then switching the light off. That's a lot to think about. It's a lot of rules. It's a lot to think about. And this is what God's saying. Like the Sabbath is a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. It's a delightful thing. And you made it a burden by adding all of your own ways Mm. to it. These yeah. are these are man's ways. These are not God's ways. These are not things that you'll find in the Bible. You don't find it in the Torah. You don't find it in the writings of Moses. And this is the problem that happens when we take our commentaries and our study notes on the Bible and make them equal to the Bible itself. Mm, dangerous. And the teachings of the you know the rabbis or the preachers. And as Christians, we're no different from the Jews, you know, because they've taken all the teachings of the rabbis and turned them into their religion. Well, we take the teachings of our celebrity preachers. We don't question them, and we turn them into our religion. And you can't take your teaching from me or from Kate or from anybody else. You need to take your religion from the Word of God, from the Bible. We need to be students of the Bible. We need to go back to the Bible. When you know what the Bible says, you know what the truth is. End of story. All right. Rant over. (laughs) Verse 14. Then shall you delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. What a promise right there. Yes. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit sidetracked from where the Bible study was going today. And anyway, whatever. You're forgiven. I'm just... I'm just going to get sidetracked again. And I'm looking at the clock and going, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to get back to it. But I'm going to get sidetracked again. Oh, there's so many good things in the Bible study. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. What is the heritage of Jacob? What was it that Jacob was to inherit? The promised land, right? And so when the Bible says to you and I, I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, what God is saying is if you do this, I give you the promised land. And let me say this. The Sabbath is one of the very few things that we have on earth right now that is a taste of the new earth. You know, God gives us these little tastes of the new earth. There's only two, by the way, marriage and the Sabbath, because they are the two institutions that come to us from a world that existed before sin. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a little bit of the itty-bitty taste of the Sabbath. Now, in the Bible study, uh, it asks this question. You know, what does what these verses have to do with the atonement context of the book of Isaiah and the atonement context of the previous passages that we've been looking at? And if you go to Leviticus chapter 23, what you're going to find is that there was a ceremony that existed in ancient Israel that was called the Day of Atonement. And this was a ceremony that came around once a year. And it was set on a date. So it would fall on a different day. 
Every it's like your birthday it falls on a different day every year, and so it was going to fall on a particular day because it was set on a date. So it's not attached to the weekly cycle, but the Bible calls it a Sabbath. It was one of the seven ceremonial Sabbaths that existed that were attached to a date rather than a day. Ah, uh, we don't have time to talk about it. So you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is now time for Question of the Day. Okay, didn't Jesus change the Sabbath to Sunday on Easter Sunday? Okay, it's a really good question for a number of reasons. One, we've just been talking about the Sabbath. Two, Easter Sunday is what? Just around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's about to happen. Exactly. You're going to have a day off. And I would like to encourage everybody to go to the end.digital, uh, where we're going to have an Easter special. And of course, that's coming up real soon. We're actually running it the week before Easter. And so, why don't I have the dates on the top of my head right now? I've gone blank. But anyway, uh-huh. just go to the end.digital. All the information yes. will be right there. And you'll be... Okay, the 28th, the 29th, and the first, 28th, 29th of March and 1st of April will be the, uh, the end digital, um, with our Easter special. So head over there. Okay, the question at hand. Okay, no, what have we got here? Uh, the, yeah, March, that's what I said, March 28th, 30, and April 1. Perfect. All right. Um, we need to get to our question is, did Jesus change the day of worship from Sabbath to Sunday on Easter Sunday? Well, if Jesus was going to do that, he would have had to have said so. So here's the challenge. If if Jesus was going to change it, he needed to actually make a statement and say, well, I'm changing it. And if Jesus did not change it, what right does it give us to change it? This was something that God set up you know, in the Garden of Eden before sin. And when God does something, do we as human beings have the right to come along and just say, yeah, you know what, I just want to do my own thing. No way. You know, I, just want to, I just want to change it. There's your first problem. The second problem is this. If Jesus changed it on Easter Sunday, then you would expect that Christians in the New Testament would have kept Sunday. Can you imagine the controversy that would have created? You know, you look at the controversy that circumcision created when they tried to get rid of circumcision for the Gentile churches and it literally tore the church apart. Their mm. brains were just melting with the idea of, you can't get rid of circumcision. Imagine if they got rid of the Sabbath. There would be a record of something like that. They would have written about it. However, there is a record in the New Testament, and the record that you find in the New Testament consistently all the way through the New Testament is of the disciples worshipping on the Sabbath day, Mm -hmm. and not just with Jewish Christians, but with Gentile Christians as well. Let me give you an example here. We'll go over to... uh, there's like a, a lot of examples in the book of Acts, but I'll give you this one from uh, Acts chapter 13. The Bible says, When the Jews had gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles asked that these words would be preached to them the next Sabbath. Mm. Okay, so these are Sunday-keeping Gentiles because Gentiles worshipped on the day of the sun. That's where Sunday-keeping comes from. And for them to worship on the Sabbath meant they had to take a day off work. This was the height of inconvenience for them, but they recognized that the day of worship for the Christians was the Sabbath. The Bible goes on. And, and, and Paul didn't correct them and say, like, no, no, you guys have actually got it right. You know, Paul doesn't do that here, does he? It's like, you, you Sunday keepers who are worshipping on the day of the sun have actually got it right because we've come across to you. No, no. The Bible says, 
um, the next Sabbath, verse 44, nearly the whole city came together to hear the word of God. And so this is the Sabbath you find right through the New Testament. It's the only Sabbath that there is in the New Testament. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.